0: Sid, uh, welcome to the last episode of the year.
1: Yeah, what a year on and out of that. You said it best before the recording. It's been a weird one. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's fucking
0: understatement of the goddamn (laughs) century so far. Yeah, exactly. Weird year.
1: It's kind of a Um, weird year. Weird uh, year
0: in terms of personal life, weird year in terms of work life, weird year in terms of school life, and sort of media consumption is like no real different at this point. Yeah, everything took a hit. A hit and sort of shifted in a way. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. This year was the year of streaming and sort of... um, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Fuck's sakes. Good start. Uh, Validicized? I don't know. Is that a word? I don't think so. (laughs) Validity? Uh, Is that what you're looking for? Yeah. There's some validity that got added to streaming services in terms of like proper distribution of legitimately like well-produced Hollywood type movies. Sure. If you know what I mean. Um, I think there
1: was like definitely more of an audience or focus and attention that shifted to streaming um, where it was always heading in that direction. But in this year more than ever, it was like, it was like forced into that direction where it's like, Hey, you have no options other than streaming now.
0: Right. If you, if you think of movie theaters as like a limping horse, 2020, and streaming services kind of just came up to that horse and then shot the other three kneecaps out from under it, and then it kind of just fell over. And now you just have a rotting horse corpse, and, and not too long before that, thing's a fucking skeleton, which is unfortunate in some aspects because I do love theater-going experiences, but um, it's just the way things are now. Like, a lot of people don't want to leave their house and pay $15 for a movie experience when they can just stay at home and do it, which is yeah, you know, fair let- enough to...
1: Let me ask you. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but let me ask you Did you pay $30 on top of your Disney Plus subscription
0: for Milan this year? Because that uh, was the real wait, test. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that okay, was the real okay. test to see if streaming would succeed. Okay. <laughs> okay, I don't think they're going to do that anymore. That was an experiment <laughs> yeah. in Disney just to see if they could squeeze out any more huge fucking failure. dollar value from that. Yeah, yeah. Um, not It might think have worked was, if it was yeah.
1: a, a Marvel movie or a Star Wars, but they pulled that off with Milan. Like, come on.
0: No, that's not going to work. Um, even Legendary Pictures, no. Going into twenty twenty one. Which is a goddamn shame, I do say. Where they're like climactic or one of their biggest cinematic events in their monster verse yeah. is Godzilla versus Kong, and that's going straight to HBO. Yeah. Max. Which is a travesty because I'd really like to see that in theaters. Yeah, I know um, that's that's got you pissed. It and that's does. something you were
1: looking forward to as like a big event movie for next year. Which I'm sure it will still be in some aspects. Like I I hope you know, like there will be still a blockbuster aspect to the whole thing, at least where we live in the part of the world where we live. You know, like that's I
0: hope still a a factor into experiencing a movie like that. You know, I, I hope so because like that thing, if any movie, and I know it's it's sort of weird talking about Godzilla versus Kong in the same light as as Tenet, but that's a movie going experience where you kind of sure. need that IMAX experience with yep. giant monsters fighting.
1: Yeah. Like No, those were yeah. built for a movie theater, not your 40-inch or, like, tel- laptop screen. You know what I mean? Like... It's really got me thinking,
0: like, if this is the trend, and it is, and it has been for, what, since 2015, 2016, um, moving towards the streaming services, like, are, are we going to get, like big made for cinema movies anymore are those gonna still exist because you can still make a fuck ton of money off of a movie if it's for a streaming service but you don't need to like pump in that many resources i don't know it it, because movies like that seem less impressive at home for Mm -hmm. sure despite how much i still love watching them even like the 90s godzilla shit 80s godzilla shit um But, like, it's it's still weird. Like, what are movies going to turn into now? Are we even going to have movies as the main narrative storytelling device? Or, you know, to be honest, like, television shows fucking killed it this year in terms of, like, their validity in, in telling more cohesive stories. And I think, like, writers, directors, studios actually prefer or are moving towards, like, TV series as a means to tell stories and like you know fucking the star wars event even showed that where majority of the shit they're putting out are new tv series to explore not movies mm-hmm. they know um and not the guys that TV, are making the like, money know
1: yeah it's not just cable tv either i think like that whole aspect of tv is also changing it's like tv is now kind of changing into streaming you know like when you thought tv a couple years ago you think of what's on cable but now it's like I, I completely agree with what you're saying. And, like, Marvel's doing it. Star Wars is doing it. Game of Thrones, I think, was one of those things that set it off of, like, the, the beginning of the generation or the era of streaming and where almost, like, long-form stuff could cross over and cinematic storytelling that we've seen in movies can cross over into a, like, a consumable realm of t- television, you know, of, like, 30 minutes to an hour weekly and can keep you coming back to it like almost like a drug so i think yeah like you're right producers and studios have figured out how to tell stories in a way that are almost like hitting you like a drug like you got to keep coming back to it weekly and and that's what's going to keep us one paying them more with our subscription money and overall producing more content i guess
0: yeah it's just it just goes to show you i don't know i you know what i don't necessarily think that's entirely a bad thing um I think we've stated before, like, obviously the market for movie theater going experiences is still going to be valid because you got guys like us where we like going to the theaters, we like sitting down, we like getting the bag of popcorn, we like getting the big pop, we like sitting down, and we like being the whole experience. under the big screen. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a little, it's, it's a night out. It's a night out that makes you just feel good, Yeah. you know, um, and as introverted as I am and as much I time I spend on my own fucking computer and my in my own room and in my own apartment, like, that's one thing I definitely love to do is just to go out to the theaters. It's just, like, walking in, smelling the popcorn, getting your ticket ready, finding your seats, watching the previews. It's all, like, it's kind of special to me, and I do think the theater-going experience is going to persist and stay. What I do think is going to happen, actually, though, and that I'm sort of, like, working out this idea, is that streaming services are actually going to move away from movies and move more towards long-term storytelling. Mm-hmm. So you'll have both markets if that makes sense. You'll have the streaming yeah. services like Disney Plus and Netflix that'll have their like interconnectivity with regards to their streaming shows and then you'll still have big theater go experiences. Mm-hmm. Like are you, are you do you honestly believe like within the next 30 years they're going to make a Star Wars movie and not put it in theaters?
1: No, I think the what? movies like I think you know you brought up a good point it, I, I almost question it the same way which is like what is the what are movies going to become for the theater and what are movies going to become for the for the TV screen for the salt like for the home you know like that's two different mediums in itself now and um, I think like the things that are like ten pole blockbuster franchises that are established now to bring in money like They're never going to back out from the theaters on those properties, on those, you know, on those chips, essentially. Like, those are going to be big money spectacle, like, ensuring to bring audiences from, like, little kids to your grandma to come in and watch the movie, you know. Like, everybody's going to watch those. My my concern almost, or not concern, I guess. My thing is, like, what is going to be, hmm, I guess let me backtrack a bit just to answer your your point i guess like i think yeah like this 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 format is always gonna like their bread and butter for streaming will always be tv shows essentially like season seasonal serial uh, storytelling um and that won't change like that'll be the bread and butter to gain new viewership to gain i guess or to just create original stuff which is what we're seeing now in streaming more than movies i guess but I don't know this is a hard like prediction maybe but I almost think that the thing that's going to keep mainstream people not people like you and me who will see you know whatever is coming out to theater but the people that are like considered general audiences that are tallying up the box office and stuff I think the thing that's going to bring them in and and ensure the movie theater survival will be like you know the Disney and the Marvel stuff like Exactly what we think it is, but I my hope almost is, is streaming might become a home for like independent cinema. As weird as it sounds, because you know, like I I love watching an independent movie uh, in a small like mom and pop theater, like you know the Princess in Waterloo. It's a small theater doesn't have the same shine as a Cineplex to it, but it it gives you that intimate kind of a seating um, experience as as like you know a small produced film. Uh, you know just fits the vibe of the, that kind of movie and um, yeah so it's, it would be sad to see that experience go I don't think it would but I almost feel like streaming and Netflix and all the competition that that's bringing out is going to create more incentive for like independent filmmakers independent storytellers and just you know smaller tiered films maybe more, more riskier in terms of ideas but executable in terms of you know budget cheaper budget kind of films like i don't know i think it, it will definitely will see a shift in what comes out into theaters that might be more deliberately chosen and in a in a negative effect to the independent industry but um in a way it might give more creative uh freedom to to filmmakers outside of the studio system 100% i almost agree. yeah i almost see it like streaming is the new independent cinema where you're operating outside of the real kind of Hollywood studio. I don't know Here's if that's the thing, true, though. but yeah.
0: Um, yeah. When I think independence, I think like up and coming filmmakers trying to take risks in their stories and awake with streaming services due to their need to constantly keep people on the streaming service. They need big names to mm. sort of keep people around and then also get people to subscribe to watch certain movies so in terms of like independence like i get the vibe like i I get i get what you're going for in terms of like on netflix because of like the circumstances with the streaming service like you're gonna get more story driven um narratives for like movies rather than the uh the gravitas the eye candy so that gets like the the indie vibe but like do you really think streaming services are going to take risks on younger filmmakers, up and coming filmmakers?
1: I think as the competition grows, um, you know, like we're kind of at a turn of the tide in terms of like, in many things in technology and society, the world in like generations, you know, like just are like the millennials are kind of, or like whatever we're even called. I don't even know. Like, are we millennials or what are we? But, uh, whatever kind of shift is going on, I think if I think Netflix, the way they've, they've grown over the past few years, I think they already are paying attention to the next generation of filmmakers. And that might be just me, a hopeful next generation filmmaker talking, you know, like that just might be a hopeful way of talking, but I'm almost thinking that that investment is already there to groom or not groom, but uh, like, what's the way of saying it? Like, Understanding that the future is in these kind of unknown reaches. I don't know if that's the right way of putting it, but I feel, like, I, feel of, like, a lot I feel like I feel like I Netflix I'm today. and stuff are. I feel like they are kind of on the ball with what's going on, at least mm-hmm. in 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 kind of smaller ways. Because you know, we've in in the discussion we'll even talk about a lot of the films we saw this year. A lot of them came out on streaming services. um and a lot of them by filmmakers we might not have been, you know, fully aware of, like a Christopher Nolan or um, just well-established Hollywood filmmakers. So in a sense, it might just be able to create more names like that, you know.
0: I guess, but it's tough to say because a lot of what I'm seeing today in like other mediums of entertainment. Um, forgive me for bringing in wrestling again, but I'm going to bring in wrestling. Um, a lot you of my, <laughs> a lot of my issues and a lot of the reasons why I was driven away from just the product of wrestling mm-hmm. is that there is a reliance on nostalgia and known figures as a means to continue to generate to generate revenue without yep. any thought of the future. So mm-hmm. y- you'll have. Um, vince mcmahon dragging out the corpses of Shawn michaels and the undertaker time after time again you know despite their last five matches being their last five matches if that makes <laughs> sense Yeah. um and he'll put them on the main events and be like yeah these are our big stars I'm like well what about this 26 year old who's fucking talented as shit the fans online love him if you just give him a chance then he can shine as a star and then they're like yeah, but Shawn Michaels and like okay, fair fucking enough. It's Sean goddamn Michaels. Um, it's it's like I I th- I think there's like this just this refusal to plan for the future. They they look at yeah. quick quick ways to generate that revenue. You know, who's or it's the like the most name?
1: reliable. Yeah, like Sean Michaels is reliable. That's thirty year, you know, guarantee right. in the industry is gonna is gonna put people in their seats. And that's a good example I think that you brought. Comparing WWE specifically in like wrestling and you know I I, I agree with that and I, I'll pose a response to that in the sense of who ran WWE like 30 years ago and who's running it today, the same fucking uh, dude, yeah same guy okay true <laughs> the, true the same fucking the old you know it's Vince McMahon and no disrespect to him he's a G but he's an old dude and is running the company in a very singular vision, like in in, in a very his way is the highway kind of way. Um, and maybe in that sense, it's like reluctant to changing with the times. And that's sort of the vibe that I get too. And, you know, you can apply that same logic to the film industry where it's like studios operate similarly. It's like studios have the ideal sense of what the, like what sells and what uh, puts people in their seats, what kind of stories make the most money or, the most successful whatever and i find almost like streaming netflix um just the whole way those businesses operate are completely different than how a studio thinks i, I think that they're on a new way of thinking about this stuff you know they're not thinking box office they're not thinking uh i think it, in a sense it is kind of bringing like that star system kind of way of looking at you know how like high the way they they highlight actors to promote movies like I think Netflix is t- taking some of the old ways of promotion bringing that back into things but I think that they're um the uh, what is it like philosophy behind their actions is not as greedy maybe it's True. more. You know, True. maybe it's, that might be a naive way of thinking. I don't know, but I feel like it, no, I don't think at least so, it's a company born in this decade at least, or in this kind of past 20 years, whatever it may be, to think in these times, the times of the Internet of the modern era, you know.
0: Yeah, I think you're actually right there. I think the this, this streaming and, and movies being presented through streaming is actually kind of a new thing. Because when, like, when Hollywood or, or films first started – there wasn't too many movie stars to sell things on. You had to sell things on ideas and get the word out through, like, screenings and, and shit like that. So Right. The whole star way, thing came a lot after, you know, that the industry yeah. had to develop first. Um, I was going to talk about the show later in, in, in the main discussion, but um, I know, like, we know who Anya Taylor-Joy is. Yeah. because, you know, she's a good actress. Not too many people knew her beforehand. She, you wouldn't really necessarily call her a massive star, uh-huh. per se. Yet, shows like The Queen's Gambit became the number one show in the world for, like, months straight in every country. Um, just off the backs of the rep, like, off the back of it being, like, a reputable, good show. Like, it's, it's okay to get invested within this show. And... From that, it became one of the biggest shows of the year, if not the biggest show of the year. And now, like, you couldn't fucking, you know, buy a chess board for cheap no more for Christmas because everyone wanted one. Mm -hmm. Everyone wants to get into chess now. Weirdly not, Side (laughs) Side rant. Side rant. I'm already being grouped into the Queen's Gambit wave of new chess players. I was not part of that. I started playing chess in March when, like, when the pandemic hit and I had nothing to do at home. And yeah, I saw some Twitch streamers playing it. i already You're a trendsetter
1: trend for chess, eh? Yeah, <laughs> that's what you're for saying. For sure. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. I'm not one the of those thousand fucking year old normies. Game of chess. Yeah, I'm not the yeah. f-
0: Queen's Gambit normies. Anyways, no, I'm
1: for sure a um, normie. I started playing iMessage chess right after that show hit. I'm like, let me let me make
0: myself intelligent like this one. <laughs> but anyways, um, anyways. So what you're saying is right. It's like yeah, there's there's less reliance on stars and like brand per se when it comes mm. to promoting a successful product on a streaming service like netflix versus yeah, that, disney plus which relies too much on star wars but we'll yeah get, yeah that's yeah. like a
1: disney plus is almost its own thing almost because that's you're right like it relies on not even like other things but just star wars and marvel mainly like that's the only reason i can see myself holding on to disney plus and there's so many times i'm like okay if it's not mandalorian season then i'm not like why am I paying for this essentially right now? Or it's like Christmas time and I'm watching Home Alone, you know,
0: like whatever. Yeah, they they have a decent Christmas playlist. I do. They yeah.
1: have a good decent. Yeah, they they hook you around for this season, and and then they just announced the new 2021 palette of uh, shows that are coming out, and they hook you with that too. But yeah, uh, what were we talking about again? Yeah, Anya Taylor Joy. I yeah, like, I think like they use the star thing almost like an in for the normies are like the general audience kind of people that are like oh cool like i've seen her before this looks interesting and then they get into it but then they lose themselves like you said into the characters into the 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 world of the show and then you get you know essentially 10 hours to to live in that world not 2 hours of a movie so it's i think they've understood the psychology of like really how people think you know like it's a bit of that old school way of thinking but then um really like we're not relying on the star but relying on the story you know like that's that's and that's what i can appreciate the most i think um it's a business of storytelling now and it's like or not now like it's always been but i mean it's like the focus i think is now back on storytelling good stories good storytellers uh rather than dollars and cents you know so in a sense yeah like i i hope that doesn't deter the streamer uh the streamer business from like just a good two-hour movie or an hour and a half movie like like uh you know some of the movies that we saw this year that came out on netflix um the devil all the time just a a movie that i you know likely might not have seen on in theaters because i feel like that's an easy movie to just promote off your cast but then you watch it and then you see the story and you're like wow this is much deeper than that and the cast really just elevates the story you know
0: yeah
1: yeah it it works I'd on Netflix like, and I think it could work in theaters too, but yeah.
0: Right. There, there wasn't. It, it's that movie in particular was like a, a great example of like Netflix really coming out of its shell and like just throwing a haymaker and seeing what lands. Yeah, like who's right? gonna so bite on this?
1: Yeah. Like that, yeah. That that was a cool one.
0: Yeah. Um, and I bit. I bit hard. Some people didn't. I. That's something I still don't quite understand. I guess the movie's not for everyone, but I thought it was fantastic and like you know just going back to stuff like you know delusions like that's still persistent throughout my mind where like you know it's like imprinted itself on me um, yeah really well and and you know credit to netflix for that because you know what a what a movie that was for me especially and i think
1: like also pointing the fact that they weren't it wasn't a highlight of a, a certain filmmaker or in a sense they didn't even really give you too many trailers I feel of like oh here's a Tom Holland movie starring Robert Pattinson like I never felt exploded in sense of marketing so like yeah like I think this in a movie like that too in, um, in a devil all the time it, it feels like it just pops up like one day you just go on Netflix and like that's the first thing you see and for some reason, you're just like, yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'll watch that. Like it, it takes, I feel, well, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, it takes even less than a trailer now to lure you into a, into a movie. Yeah. Like that's kind of, weird. yeah,
0: true. I feel like Netflix knows of its quality when it, when it's, they there. know.
1: Yeah. Like, they, yeah, the- they have faith in their, they they've figured something out with the like aesthetics of their marketing or like something that like, they they've realized like, Hey, we don't need much to show, but like people will have faith when we put, that Netflix film thing, that banner over over something—they'll have some faith, you know. But, um, anyways, moving from this conversation, we wanted to talk a little bit about, um, I guess like yeah. what kind of stories were we into in the year of twenty twenty in this weird world of shifting mediums and new ways of intaking stories. So, I'll move this question on to you, Cheney. What kind of stories were you intaking aside from movies, or where were you finding good stories this year?
0: Well, obviously, a lot of, of streaming services, two shows come into mind, Queen's Gambit and The Haunting of Bly Manor. Those shows really, you know, I fucking binge those in two days each. Actually, I, I think I binged Bly Manor in one night, which is like nine hours of mm. content, which was not healthy. Trust me. Um, uh, other than that, um, I found some enjoyment within video games this year not necessarily within the news of video games because all that i heard were delays and my heartbreaking and then getting mended again and then getting broken again and then getting mended again with the halo community <laughs> so um but in terms of actually playing them like two games come to mind for me um doom eternal is fun um i've I, I need to get back into it I've, I've watched some guy do um an ultra nightmare run which just looks like one of the hardest things I've ever seen, but, like, looks super engaging to try. If you're not familiar, Doom has, like, you know, easy, normal, hard, and then nightmare difficulty. Um, Nightmare difficulty is, like, the hardest difficulty, and then you have a game mode called Ultra Nightmare, where if you die, you get sent back to the beginning of the game. So it's, oh, Jesus. yeah, it's, it's <laughs> it, I believe it's like the, it, it's the canonical version of Doom is the Ultra right, Nightmare that makes, run.
1: That makes sense. If you're right? a real it's, diehard, like literally, you know, um, it's, it's a, it's like, that's the way to play, I guess. That's i yeah. I've seen some, some, what do you call them? Um, um Some speed runs of Doom Eternal and just like people trying to, trying to beat the entire game in one playthrough in one life. And it's just the most frustrating mission like why try and put yourself through that
0: i believe like the way it goes within the Doom community is that like the world record holder of the speed run for ultra nightmare is the canonical doom eternal is the canonical doom slayer which is really like a cool meta (laughs) thing where like if someone beats that record like okay now now that's the the canon version of the game um like that's like the your. Doom Slayer.
1: That's your not all. Not all heroes wear capes. Guy, right there. That yeah, You just exactly. see him in a, That's the random guy in a bar that nobody's paying attention to yet. In his mind, he just knows like, fuck all you. I beat Doom Eternal in one go in the fastest time of the world.
0: Mm-hmm. And the game is just like unapolog- unapologetically a video game, which is what I love yeah. about games like that. It's like it doesn't and give a fuck. Like rarely here's a power you find up. that.
1: Yeah, rarely you find that almost in this generation just pure video games for the sake
0: of video games i feel like it's gonna make a comeback especially with doom sort of being like a trendsetter with regards to that um yeah uh i think we saw it this year too with the uh,
1: games like ghost runner you know i don't know if ghost you got, runner to play yeah. that this year
0: oh i don't know i should get into that um one of the games of the year was nominated was a game called hades i don't know if you saw that i um, saw a bit of it yeah didn't hades it is anything, like but. No, neither do I. But I, I definitely watched some gameplay. Like that's unapologetically just a straight up video game. Like you know, yeah. power ups and and working your way through um, levels and like boss fights and shit like that. So, like it, they're getting recognized more and more. Like like classic structured video games rather than you know games like The Last of Us, which is like hardly a video game, to be honest. That's almost I think, like
1: a yeah. Like The Last of Us is borderline more of a movie experience. I feel
0: yeah and like like um listening to another podcast of some content creators i like um castle super beast uh, i believe one noted like his first three hours of gameplay with the last of us 2 15 of it was like spent actually like sneaking around and shooting zombies yeah. so yeah it's it's hardly like an actual video game it's just like
1: well, I remember off the first game. Like my favorite part of the first game was just the story. Like I, I found nothing spectacular in the gameplay. There was I've played better zombie games in my life, and I've, I'm sure I'm gonna play better ones too. And like when you realize, like post Last of Us One, like there's even like not I don't want to say better stories, but like comparatively good stories to that game. Like it, it almost just kind of like falls into the like memory or like the history of kind of ps3 games for me like it's it's yeah it was a good a uh evolution in video game storytelling i'll give it that but the gameplay was pretty subpar for me and i i i i see so much potential in it because i'll get into this even at the end of this podcast but i can see like such a strong merger in cinema and video games and like a birth of a potential new medium forming that a video game series like The Last of Us can just excel with this kind of focus on storytelling and video games. But,
0: yeah, anyways. If you want, like, like, and I've never played it, but it seems like this way. If you want a genuinely good Last of Us game with good gameplay and still a compelling narrative with cool characters, then mm. play the Resident Evil remakes. I've heard good like, things about those two, actually. Like,
1: very linear-based uh games like in a sense of like doom almost in their leveling but then good stories huh
0: yeah but also like still video gamey right like yeah yeah i I don't know i i feel like video games should be video games and i know you have some thoughts on like especially with games like death stranding and then people like baiting you with articles about christopher nolan being interested in making a video game where in reality it was just him being like oh video games are cool oh that Um, was such strong baiting bro that was uh that was
1: fucking uh, honeypotting me big time, oh, yeah. that tweet. Honey Honeydicking
0: you big time, yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. Like, come on. That's just like, they knew I was looking to like, let's get this guy to fucking click a like here and send it to his friends. Fuck them. Yeah, we'll talk about that too. Like, I, I'll, I'll give a good example of
0: a, um,
1: sorry, did you have like, did you have any more um, to add to your list
0: for video uh, Well, then obviously I played a fuck ton of cyberpunk. I have. Yes. That was. I'm, I'm, I'm planning my my <laughs> second lunch. playthrough. Um, I want to play nice. some other video games before I jump back in there, and I'm still trying to remain spoiler-free on other endings. Um, so I'm going to do another playthrough, but this time be an asshole and like do a completely different gameplay style. Mm-hmm. See how how much different I can make the game. Um, I like especially the game like that, but yeah, Cyberpunk for sure. I got like 45 mm-hmm. hours in that or so, um, and I plan on getting like 30 to 40 more hours into it. So yeah, it's like, it's a complicated relationship for sure. On one hand, like the gameplay is kind of clunky. The gunplay is not too fun for me. Mm -hmm. Like combat's not that fun. I'm not really looking forward to do a combat centered run where like my last run was mainly like I was a hacker and like a, I was pretty good at sneaking despite the stealth being horrible. Um, like, comparatively to, like, other games in the RPG genre. Um, I think, namely, games like Skyrim do things well, where, um, like, you have so much at, at, like, at your fingertips in terms of what you can do to sneak around and then also, like, silently kill things. Within Cyberpunk, it's absolutely ridiculous that the only way that you can silently take someone out is... By sneaking up behind them and strangling them, like if you have a silenced pistol, there's literally no point in having a silenced pistol. Zero point because yeah. you shoot someone and all the guards in the area go immediately to your direction because they heard you somehow. Even um, the
1: stats, like they, everything wants to give you a stat, but like, what does it mean? Like when you're adding point fucking four uh, armor, like point four armor, like what is that? Like point two thing, point two DPS for wearing like a hat. I think that's like more what? for like the
0: hard hardcore gameplay modes. I don't know.
1: Like yeah, I'm I'm feeling a complicated relationship with Cyberpunk 2. I feel like it's very flashy and there's a lot of interesting things going on, but it's, I almost just find it a very flashy game. Like they put a lot of time into the map design, <clears throat> the uh, the detail of the world, but like even in things you point out when they when it came down to like specific game mechanics, game design, it kind of fell flat for me too like in combat and driving especially in um stealth like you you mentioned stealth and like I feel like these can be such big aspects of the game and like allow you to make the game what you want it to be like mm-hmm. GTA gave you that kind of freedom like I'm I found myself comparing it so much to GTA 5 and re- like going back to old videos of GTA 5 and seeing at launch how was that game and I can't remember it being this unfinished I think is the best way to put it like mm-hmm like yeah, there were there's complete um... animation like it's like in 2013 they did i guess they worked the best with the technology that at that time but they still went like they completed it they made sure everything was tightly packaged in in a boat and shipped it out but like cyberpunk is not even on my list really for a kind of like my favorite video games this year one because i haven't finished it yet because i'm not too into it to like really grind it out every day I guess like I find myself getting stalled in at times and just backing out to play other games to be honest and yeah so it's not my it's not on my like um, comparing to like other games that were released this year that I've played it's not really there for me
0: credit to where cyberpunks do though like the reason I kept coming back is the characters and the writing sure, super well done like I came back every day to try and finish characters questline because they're, like, so charismatic. Um, like, most of their lives are actually interesting to learn about. Um, and it's cool, you know, seeing the ways that I can interact with them um, and shit like that. Seeing who I can romance and whatnot. Um,
1: Panama. <laughs> I was going to say that. Pan yeah. pa- Isn't it Panama?
0: No, it's Pan Am. Is it? Okay. Trust me, I will never forget that name. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah. So, like... It, like, if it, that is probably the, the best part, which is not what I expected, to be honest, because, um, like, CD Projekt Red is, like, known for... I know, like, Witcher 3 is pretty broken at launch, too, but, like, Witcher 3 has really good gameplay um, in combination with its RPG elements. Yeah,
1: I almost want to go back to the Witcher 3. Like, not that I actually, like, go back to the wrong uh, phrasing because I haven't played the game, but I want to go and play that game because of all the hype, seemingly, that that got but I almost feel like I can't even trust what people say anymore I got bad trust issues now this after this year um but the setting of The Witcher 3 almost unlike the the, it, it almost feels like The Witcher's like they um it's more linear comparative to to Cyberpunk which for me right now feels like such a wild card and maybe that's by design maybe this is like a game that takes like a month or two to really figure out what every single perk and mechanic and area of the map is and does it's like yeah, I'm like figuring out right now if I want to even invest how much time do I want to invest in this game, which I'm sure I'm going to play more. But I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm tied, I'm still tied to games like Ghost of Tsushima right now, man. Like, that's for me, that's um, a game of the year contender as it was. Um, yeah. Like, Sony that? for me was um, Sony Interactive uh, Entertainment, whatever games they produce as a brand. Which end up being, for the most part, PlayStation exclusive. I think if we're thinking about a game studio that integrates storytelling with video games, like who does it the best, in my opinion, would be like Sony for this year uh, or in general, perhaps even. I don't know. Um, But yeah, Ghost of Tsushima. Like when we're talking, when we're thinking about, you know, what kind of game would blend this, has like equal parts, good storytelling equal parts just fun video game hack and slash like just exhilarating fun video gaming ghost of tsushima would be my number one uh like pick i guess Um, what's
0: like obviously you're a kurosawa fan so other than that what keeps drawing you back into ghost of tsushima
1: okay a couple things
0: one it's an open
1: world right so and it's, a, it's a, a beautiful open world. Like, really well designed. Very cinematic in its, like, lighting and environment. Um, and I haven't gone through the whole open world yet. There's still territories I have to kind of free. Um, settlements and stuff I, I have to kind of, like, yeah, free. And uh, character arcs that I have to complete. So, in that sense, that motivates me. The game is motivating me to go back as well. But also, it's kind of like you just got um star wars jedi fallen order so you'll like understand where i'm coming from but that kind of style of gameplay i think where it's it's equal parts almost strategic and button mashy kind of hack and slash but it's it still has that kind of strategy of understanding when to dodge when to block um so i guess what i'm trying to say is the um the game design in itself the uh complexity of it the diff the um Diversity, how much you can, how many different stances of, uh, of fighting there are, and how many different variations of a fighter you can be. Like that, there. I, I haven't even come close to upgrading all my weapons yet. So there's so many things that makes you want to be a better samurai in in that world, and just see like how far the moves can go and stuff like that. Um, and in, in extension to that, they like the studio behind it, Sucker Punch, just out of nowhere dropped like a complete new game add-on kind of almost like an online component that wasn't there before which is um a Legends mode and you can it just completely expands the game from, from what it initially was as a campaign so I had the most engaged not the most engaged I guess I was like very engaged in the story and the gameplay the gameplay and storytelling went like hand in hand really to just give me a really good
0: experience almost
1: you know I guess that's what I'm trying to say
0: um, yeah I yeah. get it it's like I, it, it looked interesting to me it never like well, obviously I could never really play it because you know PlayStation and all but um, from what I saw like it never really it didn't like do any groundbreaking technical stuff in terms of like gameplay it was just mm-hmm. solid all around which is like yeah. I think we need more of that I think too many people exactly. are trying to reinvent the wheel
1: exactly it wasn't like coming at it like cyberpunk trying to be all technologically innovative and nothing crazy and i almost thought in the beginning of the year right like i i can't believe how much i my like way of thinking about things has changed um in the beginning of the year you think like oh yeah Cyberpunk's going to be the defining game of the year of the generation and because it's going to be like so big and grand and epic and like you know things like ghost of the are like simple games that follow like past generational things but then the more you go on in the year and like kind of play these games and even the delays of cyberpunk like what has it taught us like what makes a generational game or what makes a really good game you know i think that's what i started asking myself more i guess as i started one waiting to play cyberpunk and playing just other games was like a good game just makes you feel lost makes you forget about the game in itself and you're just kind of really invested in what you're doing in that moment and i i felt that way in um in the world of ghost of Tsushima, like feel like playing a samurai in feudal Japan. Like I'm, I'm well interested already in like Japanese history. And as you said, Japanese cinema. So like just those, the blends of worlds, you know, going on, there was like a, uh, a from what I understand film, though,
0: I it's, it's like not like historically accurate feudal Japan. It's a little fantasy element put in there as well. No,
1: for sure. It's I, yeah, I don't consider it like a, a fiction telling no, no. of a yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. japanese history not at all but in a sense of understanding what like feudalism was like what um emperor like at the empire of japan while it was getting um yeah like in a in a really like i guess simple historical sense like it's just cool like seeing a, a past you know just like operating and doing something in a time that's not this time and you you do get a bit of like wow this is cool like there were, you know, like in Ghost of Shishima, it's not like the world is filled with more than just samurai. You got, um, there's, uh, um, I'm forgetting the name of it, but there's basically, uh, samurais without a clan, or they're just like, they're cell swords, basically. They're, um, they're just swords for hire type of things. And you go up against different clans, you go up against different variations of people and it in that sense it just got me thinking about like wow like feudal japan is crazy different than canada like obviously you know like obviously. Obviously. Yeah, but I mean it's just what's what's, minute, our, what's
0: feudal canada <laughs> fucking beaver trappers and french people?
1: I guess you know that would be in its own way a really cool story like Hudson's Bay Company kind of time, Actually, you know? yeah. Though uh, I started watching, j- yeah, I started watching that show Frontier. Check that out on Netflix. It gets
0: Wasn't wasn't that have Jason gets, Momoa in
1: it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I only I watched the first season. Is there more seasons out now?
1: I don't know. I just watched the first couple of episodes. I, did, I didn't get that into it, but I just, on a concept oh. level, I was like, yeah, Hudson's Bay, Canada, that that would be cool. Oh, yeah. Me. I
0: watched I watched that um, years back. I watched the first yeah. season of that. I, I, yeah. I was waiting for the second season or more to come out.
1: But Fur trading the- can be interesting. Little did I think, you know, I, I underestimated the interest of it in, in high school history there, but um. I think, yeah, just any game that I can, like... Same thing with Red Dead Redemption 2, you know, just allowing you in, in a very small way to live or see how um, life was lived in another historical point. You know, even if it is fiction, like, I still think the video game designers take some uh, account of history and some, like, attention to that kind of detail. So, yeah, same thing with Red Dead too. Like, I felt like I'm learning about how western life kind of was so that's the cool thing I guess from video games like when you can learn something from it when they teach you something not to sound like a teacher or something or like uh, whatever but yeah something you you take away something so yeah Ghost of Tsushima definitely gave me that experience um, another video game which I've obviously talked about enough times but I, I'm realizing now I only did just play it this year uh, was Death Stranding another Sony game which is like a, just you know another example of good storytelling and original storytelling like you know something we're not really getting from the movies nowadays or movie theaters um really it's like original stories original worlds lores mythologies that kind of you want to get into you want to see like what's what's this thing about or like uh yeah like in that kind of a sense Death Stranding was like it just opened up video games for me in a way that I hadn't really I hadn't really been a part of it before, I guess. I wasn't... I I took video games very casually in, like, the sense that I'll buy Call of Duty every year, like, whatever the new COD was, or the occasional, like, you know, when God of War came out, or Red Dead, like, the occasional open world game, Um, but I picked up Death Stranding upon hearing, yeah, like, Norman Reedus is a part of it, Guillermo del Toro, Mads Mikkelsen, so a lot of Hollywood and uh, film influence and then learning more about Hideo Kojima and his uh, influence of cinema and film. And then I started playing the game and then I found how evident that is, of course. And, um, yeah, like I just, the whole, I've never been more terrified or like more honestly feeling dread and fear than I have in playing a game like that game. Um, like, I, I was shocked. I'm like, how can I feel actual fear in playing a video game right now? Uh, you know, like, I, I, I haven't been into those genre kind of games for, so maybe there's more out there that people have played, but for me, it was, like, the strongest emotional reaction, I guess, I got from a video game. So it showed me, like, this is the this is the outcome of when you blend the, you know, the tension of uh, gameplay, gameplay that uh, Death Stranding gives you. Like, it's really... It builds up to a really slow tense gameplay and you consider every step every move you make um and that just kind of goes hand in hand with the really slow built up tense storytelling uh just filled with mysteries filled with plot lines that makes you want to go to the next chapter and keep on playing so sony has been like just delivering on on games this year so i guess like in a way if it's unfortunate that like you know like i talk to you about these kind of video games all the time and only for the fact that you don't own a playstation like you can't share those experiences you know that's kind of sad i feel like that it there's a part of me that wants there to be no none of this exclusivity thing but then i understand like this is a competitive business but like it's it's weird how there's a like a privatization on storytelling in the video game world i guess you know like that that wouldn't exist on in movies in in the movie I guess streaming does kind of give that kind of competition too. It does. It does. Yeah, because if you own Netflix and you watch what's on Netflix, you can't watch what's on HBO or whatever.
0: But yeah, that's that's interesting in itself. Well, anything else that you played this year?
1: Played a, I guess like in terms of video games, like just fun video games. Like, uh, Ghost Runner was just like another. Doom-like video game that I played, had a good time playing that. I feel like I played more video games this year than I watched movies, and that's weird. Yeah, I kind of feel the opposite.
0: Usually I play way more video games, but this year I watched way more movies, whether it's new or old.
1: Yeah. I'm just not, revisiting like,
0: stuff that I know I liked, but like...
1: Okay, I guess I should... Yeah, like, I definitely... Okay, when I think about it like that, like, I watched way more... I watched a lot of DVDs, like, just my own collection of DVDs this year, but I guess what I meant is, like, I sought after more video games this year because there weren't like there were always new video games getting released but there weren't always new films coming out so my mind was like okay what's the new game to play instead of what's the new movie i want to watch like the movie thing was always like almost like an afterthought in a sense like i can always just look in my, in my in the netflix or like the dvd uh collection and just pick something out from there because there was nothing to look forward to in that way i guess until tenet until Tenet came out and I watched that five times.
0: True, true. You did yeah, watch so, it five times. <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah, you want to like get into I guess our, our top, top 3 movies. top movies, top sort of stories. I don't know I don't know if I have like a top 3 movie list in general cuz like mm-hmm. I didn't watch a whole bunch of 2020 movies this year. Um even if you want to like bring if it was like an older
1: movie that you saw for the first time this year. Like we can talk about some of those kind of things too, just because you're right. Like there's not other than like what came out in streaming, there's not a huge selection of movies that came out this year.
0: You know, I guess so, the movie that had like one of the biggest impacts on me. And I don't know. It came out in 2019. So close, close enough, but I watched it this year. Um, was the movie, the lighthouse, um, mm. Like, I never thought I could like a movie like that, but it incorporated a lot of shit that I really like, like in terms of, like, Lovecraftian horror, um, Greek mythos, or just, like, in general European mythos, um, into, like, one conglomerative, like, interpretive story from a really interesting setting, if that makes sense. It's, like, a triple hitter for me in terms of, like, being... Not only like one of the favorite movies I watched this year, but like probably one of, now one of my favorite movies of all time.
1: I watched yeah, it three times this that's
0: year. Huge. Yeah. I know it yeah. is huge. It's like it's definitely in my top ten for sure. Yeah. In and terms for a of new like, movie
1: too, like a relatively new movie, I guess, like to leave that kind of an impact. It says something about it. But I can see why, like at the same time. It, it it's a very rich movie. Like I guess that's a that's the best way I can think of putting it. Like there's so much you can sink your teeth into with
0: that movie. There is. It's like um like as soon as someone like says like what's your movie recommendations I like, go well, like have you watched the lighthouse They're like mm-hmm. no I'm like, I'm like you have Amazon Prime They're like yeah, I'm like, yeah. Go to <laughs> Amazon Prime <laughs> Video and go yeah. watch the lighthouse and um, maybe under the same circumstances you just watch it like I did with uh, like two a.m. with like really decent headphones on um, like with the sound design and like the I don't know that <laughs> actually I don't know if I'd recommend that I had some weird dreams that night. Um, <laughs> It's uh, but yeah, in were terms they of mermaid,
1: like, were those dreams of mermaid pertaining?
0: <laughs> uh, no logs and logging up into oh, Hudson's yeah, Bay is, Way, I don't wanna ask. up <laughs> near Canada Ways. They calls it bush up there. Um, in terms of like Willem Dafoe's monologue in that movie, like for shame mm-hmm. for not giving him an Oscar, god damn it! Like for like best supporting actor, that man deserved it. Um, yeah, hundred percent. She deserved uh, it for, like,
1: Spider-Man too, honestly. Like, he deserves it for, like, every movie. Mm-hmm. Just give this man something.
0: Yeah. Do you know what I've sacrificed? Yeah. I fucking love him with a Um But in terms of, like, 2020 movies, really only two stand out. Um, the Devil All the Time, which we talked about a little bit already. But in terms of, like, man, like, that is quite the story. Um, I I... I, I think I told you it gives me like Forrest Gump vibes but like a way darker Forrest Gump like it's, it's like yeah, this yeah yeah um, I see
1: where you mean I I see where you mean more by the Forrest Gump thing I didn't at first like when we initially talked about it that movie but it's kind of an epic in the similar in, not in a similar sense but it's in a in a dark twisted sense it's kind of a almost like a biblical epic is what I what I can relate to it as
0: and this story is like contained within this small town it gives you the sense like shit like this is going on all over the fucking place sure like interesting stories are going on all over the fucking place here's one enjoy and i did and i really enjoyed it um in terms of like i think a lot of people didn't like it because it didn't really have a traditional plot per se but as we've discussed throughout the year, like I am a character centric, okay. but people like pulp and Pulp.
1: Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Like, people that, don't
0: I, like Pulp Fiction. People like the idea of them bullshit. liking Pulp Fiction.
1: Sure, yeah, because it's cool, right? Because it's hipster yeah. and it's. It's cool
0: liking hipster. Pulp Fiction. Yeah. If you actually that's like Pulp shit. Fiction, good for you. But if you have a fucking Pulp Fiction thing on your dorm room, and like <laughs> you don't watch it every year, fucking for shame. I'm not a poser. Right? I think Pulp Fiction's a fine movie, but I yeah. prefer other Quentin Tarantino movies, so I don't get the Pulp Fiction poster. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's... I don't know. I think more people come around. I think a lot of the negative feedback came back because it, it seemed like it was criticizing religion specifically, and that's it not was. really... It was, it was but was it was also criticizing non-religious people.
1: Sure, but that's criticizing religious too. Okay, yeah, I see what you're saying. It, it criticizes people in general. I think it's yes. in, the, in the best way, it criticizes people and in a very
0: unbiased way, religious and non-religious. And for and that, people didn't like it because they thought it yeah, was criticizing like, them because it's criticizing so accused. many fucking facets of life. It doesn't matter. It's yeah, like... It
1: was so good. It was so good for doing that. Like it Enjoy was, the
0: deconstruction oh. of your own fucking character. Anyways. Maybe that's
1: why people didn't like it. They were like, it's too much of a mirror to them, you know? I don't know. I... Listen, I can't imagine why like it sounds weird to say but like why somebody wouldn't like a movie like that because it really had everything you want from a movie. Like it was like a true roller coaster experience not because of a not a thrill ride but of emotions that the characters kind of bring you through, you know. And it feels like an epic because you're following one family or like multiple families I guess in one small town and you get a sense of uh kind of who everybody is and where everybody operates and it's uh, it's it's a generational story at the same time and like you said it it criticizes and hits upon so many different things on so many different levels so yeah, I, I'm surprised a movie like Netflix even rep- like it's represented by Netflix almost like it's it, it, it's the for me like a first of its kind on Netflix where I haven't seen a movie like that almost like I feel like that's that was like a risk on their part and maybe people's reception to that movie or like the fact that it didn't get so huge it's like you know like it it's the part of me that's like okay the box office doesn't mean anything like those numbers oscars whatever they don't really mean anything but at the same time a story like this it really should succeed in like all accounts because anybody could watch it and be like yeah i can see truth in this Or I can feel something in this, you know, you don't have to be Christian or atheist or you can be a a Muslim in like Turkey. Like, I don't know if there are Muslims in Turkey, but there's some aspect of like humanity and like God and like, quote unquote, the other. Right. That just natural questions that we all have that, like, you know, it hits upon of like, what is our humanly? What are we as humans? You know, what are we doing here as humans? Not to get so deep into it, because the movie is like, it's not a really broad movie. It is a specific story. But for me, like, I felt like it explored so many things. So, yeah, that's another movie for me that's on my list, too. Yeah.
0: Um, um, and then, obviously, the other movie that stood out in 2020 for me and probably for you as well, considering you watched it five times, is Tenet. Um, will admit, not Nolan's strongest work. Um, Not his most accessible work, Um, but in terms of theater experience, both weird because it was during the pandemic (laughs) and um, fantastical because it was a Christopher Nolan movie. I give Tenet like probably one of my favorite, if not my favorite movie experience of the year. Um, Mm -hmm. Fucking crazy mind blowing type of movie Um,
1: made for the theater. Like can't imagine streaming that. I no. just watched it on DVD. Like, I just bought the DVD, actually, the Blu-ray. So I watched it again the other day. And, um, like, I'm so glad we weren't put in the predicament to watch it on a smaller screen first. Because imagine your first viewing on Tenon, but on a small screen on speakers you can barely hear out of. Yeah, like, like all, good luck getting already, the dialogue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Already information was just flying by you and you can barely hear it. And which was one of, like, the flaws of tenant that we you know we talked about in our review and discussion of it was it it's exposition heavy and it's like maybe in one of in nolan's foray of films like less story centered maybe more spectacle
0: concept uh, centered more so con- yeah
1: more idea and concept more yeah and, and it's like i still like and appreciate that like as a filmmaker kind of just exploring his own curiosity and ideas of like science um I had fun with it. And, and I think that's the best thing I can say with that movie. It's like, I have fun with it. It doesn't make me overtly feel so much emotions about the characters, but it's a Christopher Nolan movie, for God's sakes. And um, you watch it on a big screen, you're just like, how is that being done? You know, you're not thinking like, wow, this character arc is really, really fucking dramatic.
0: And it's so deep. Like, I mean, I the know. protagonist's name in the movie is the protagonist. For it's the sakes. protagonist. It's, it, it's, yeah, it's very It's spelled right up there for you.
1: Yeah, it's and and that points to it. it's like he, the movie is like it in itself an archetype for like spectacle filmmaking. It's it's Nolan saying, okay, what you thought was spectacle in Marvel, in the MCU CGI heavy, fuckfest that it is, like here's spectacle, all in camera bitches. Like here you go, and for ninety percent of the people that will go over their heads, but for you know guys like me and you, that's like yeah, five times maybe.
0: Yeah, I mean I. If I wasn't such a fucking broke-ass student, I wouldn't... Uh, no, you know what? With. Here's
1: the thing, because I'll call you responsible. Like it, In a pandemic, is it really smart to go to a movie theater five times? My mom says no, and she calls me irresponsible for that. So, you know, there's Good a, a, a double-side coin. Yeah, I took th- I took a life risk there. You know, we'll say it like that. it <laughs> was a, a worth risk to watch in a movie theater. I even watched an IMAX, and I'll tell you, like, that was the way to watch it uh, on IMAX. Um, hundred percent. Too good.
0: It's uh, it's definitely something I'm gonna remember for quite a bit. Like any Christopher Nolan movie, is obviously like an event. Um, when it when it comes out, and like if anything, this was like maybe one of my first times like going into an old movie like fresh, raw, virgin. You know what I mean, like. Mm-hmm. not knowing goddamn shit about what the movie was and, like, going into it and trying to experience it. Um, maybe, like, well, I also watched The Dark Knight Rises in the theaters when that came out, but that's less so, like, an old movie and more so, like, a Batman movie, if that makes sense. I think it does. Um, but, yeah, like, Tenet, if anything, it just gets me excited for his next project because I'm, I'm kind of hoping, like, this was his one-off to be like, okay, fuck you, I'm smart. And now he's gonna like maybe tone it down for the next one, please. Well, like, like just, almost just a little all bit. of his movies,
1: I think his whole his like altruistic trademark is basically saying "fuck you, I'm smart." <laughs> at the end of his movies, like, I, have you seen the Prestige? His movie, no, um, I haven't. with Hugh Hugh uh, Hugh Jackman and um, um, who's the other guy in it? Christian Bale also from you know filmed he I think he filmed it while he was doing Batman. In the middle of that whole trilogy but if you haven't seen the prestige man okay like make that the next on your list like we'll talk about that in the next episode if you want to talk about <clears throat> i honestly i didn't know you hadn't seen the prestige otherwise i would have said let's make that the first episode of the series huh. yeah like if i have a favorite nolan movie it's the prestige um okay the yeah that that's not like us a, a spoilery sense i guess but in in a in the sense of like what you want a nolan movie to give you all the um holy shit moments of like how did he pull that like the prestige nails those on on an unbelievable level like the film is about magicians and it literally is a magic trick of a movie so it's i won't say much more than that I, you gotta experience it um we'll, we'll talk about precision in a following episode i guess
0: for sure. Sorry, um, I
1: did. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to rant off of there on, on a side. No, 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 on, no, 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 on, no that's on fine. The
0: Prestige. You know, if yeah. anything, we have an idea for a new episode, so that's good. Um, yeah. Anything else you'd like to add to the list? Because I kind of spouted yeah, my. I,
1: cool. I actually did watch a movie. I think it was yesterday, two days ago. Um, a new movie on Disney Plus, which I don't know if you heard of it. Have you heard of the movie Soul? A new Pixar film.
0: Oh, I have heard of that. Yeah. Yes. Haven't uh, seen it though.
1: I don't know if this was originally a Disney Plus, like exclusive. Uh, uh, that was it's what Pixar, it was conceived no? as, or it is Pixar. Yeah, but I am I'm, I'm I think it was uh, planned for the theaters like this year. But was, yeah, yeah. It seems like it would it would have been perfect for it. Like it was um kind of very cinematic and designed for a big screen. But anyways, um wow. Like was I so like elated? It's like wow. What a vocabulary of the day. Um, I was just elated by, I've literally never used that word in my life, but I was just happy watching this movie. It was, um, such a, like, you know, Pixar is obviously known for movies that make you feel emotional, often cry and stuff. But this was like a new high. I almost felt of Pixar where it was like stepping out of the, um, the, uh, like the audience range of like meant for kids, you know, or like. Not that Pixar ever like dumbed down their stories for kids, like to some aspects, they kind of do, I guess, but they've always reached in maturity and like in, in, um, in, in kind of grown up ideas, you know, in movies like Coco and Inside Out, like very deep kind of themes going there. But I, I guess what I'm saying is that they've ran with that idea of, um, m- like almost like maturizing, uh, telling mature uh, stories, like very, um. Uh, kind of like a you know a- existential stories here um really can be dark can be kind of depressing at times and and um hopeful also but basically um soul hits all of those dark depressing and hopeful and uh makes you cry makes you feel emotional it's about basically it's about um a jazz musician but he's a teacher and uh played by jamie fox in in the film all animator of course and um he he's basically a teacher and he believes his purpose his quote-unquote spark is to make music and to be a great musician and perform and you know like the the aspirations of any I guess artist or musician is to be a great successful musician but his reality is that he's a teacher but not that he doesn't like it or he's not good at his job of being a teacher like he he he's like shown in his character like a natural mentor good with kids good at teaching kids uh you know whatever about music anyways um as the movie progresses it's like it just gets deeper and deeper into like what is purpose what is our like reason for being on earth like it gives you a good contrast with like a character who is completely opposite to that and like doesn't want to be on earth and and that's where things can kind of get dark you know what i mean for a kids movie but it, it gives you the flip side of a character point of view of like i'd rather not do any of these things to do with purpose and i would rather just kind of run away from those kind of things so it, it, in myself i found like a lot of relatable uh just character like things the characters would say or themes that were portrayed like i found so much i could relate to and I feel like this is a movie like anybody from a kid to an adult. Like I watched it with my family, everybody had a great time. Um, it was like such a fantastic story. It, like really made me just feel like I was going through a a like a a moment of passing down kind of knowledge because the whole thing is, um, you know, Joe the the protagonist of the story is basically kind of teaching somebody basically what is life about and and that's kind of the course of the film and as an audience you're like learning more about life too like you're like wow this whole thing about purpose of my conception of purpose um of of this whole thing of what is your thing like that you know like i don't know it just made me just think about things like that um and so on a storytelling sense it was like a one top tier story that just makes you feel for these kind of these characters in this you know uh, on top of that it was the best looking pixar film i think i've seen to date like it at times hit close to like not feeling like an animated films in terms of the lighting it was rendering the the scenes it rendered through lighting and um like how it portrayed depth of field like there was like a physicality a like a um a visual texture to the camera like obviously in animated films they're not filming with any practical camera or, you know, it's a digital uh, scene and all that. But it, in this film, like, I, I felt like I could almost get a a vibe of a lens. Like, this would be the type of lens they would use for this type of shot. Not in terms of millimeter or focal length, but of, like, vintage lens that creates this type of a blur. Like, they, they got so, um, like, filmy, I guess, in a really weird way to say it, but very like, very, um, practical in, in terms of how things looked and felt, uh, how light interacted with characters and buildings and how the camera interacted with those things too. So, uh, this is, like, the, one of the best Pixar, just animated films in general, I think I've seen, um, it also came out right on Christmas time, so it was, like, I think a perfect Christmas movie for anybody, like, if you have Disney Plus, I would just say, like, put this on your, watch list with your family this is a feel-good movie and a movie that like any pixar film is gonna make you kind of feel strong emotions but in another sense also can make you like potentially just like explore what life means and i think that's one of like the great questions film can point you towards you know so um yeah soul was i guess the shocker of the year for me a, a, a surprise of the year where I remember watching trailers for it and thinking like, "This looks good. This looks interesting." But, uh, I, like my after watching experience, I'm I'm genuinely excited talking about this movie and sharing what this movie is because it's a, I think it's like a powerful movie. Um, to I'll top it off with that, it's a pretty it's a powerful movie. But yeah, that that would be my list for this year, which I think is a good list. Have animated film on there, got blockbuster, and got, uh, got the Netflix streamer. So that's a little bit of everything there
0: a little bit of everything for everyone I'll have to check out yeah. uh, that for sure um, for I sure definitely have been yeah, seeing that's... it like I, it's been on my radar because Pixar but, and I, but yeah. you know Pixar technically like hasn't really been blowing me out of the, out of the water as of late so mm-hmm. um, I was like I, a little reluctant yeah I can't remember the last time like
1: I watched a Pixar movie I guess like you know I I I, I nowadays mostly encounter a Pixar movie from like younger people like my sister or like a family night to watch a movie I'll like put on a Pixar so this is exactly what that situation was was like pick a family movie to watch and you know chose this movie so it happened almost out of like a coincidence where I wouldn't have put this on myself but I'm glad I did like this was a, a, a movie that's going to put me back on to like what is Pixar making now because if you think about it like the last couple films they've made that at least the ones that I've seen um have been in this direction of like really mature stories for kids um and really just like life movies in general like what is life about like what is and it works well for kids but i think it can work well for adults too like it's not just it's not just an introduction of what these ideas are but it can be um just a good introspective almost like therapy in a sense um introspection into into yeah i don't know into the mind whatever um yeah so I am I, I like this kind of trend of like just animated or, or kids focused content not being so kiddish like you know if kids are the future if they're the generation to like hold all responsibility for the, the future you know whatever then we should teach them pretty sm- like we should teach them from a young age uh, what the world is and movies like this are doing that so it's you know kudos to this movie kudos to movies like this
0: well, Sido, it's been a odd year, but, you know, I'd say a pretty great year in terms of, like, media consumption, storytelling in general, blockbusters, despite everything in the world that's going despite on. Despite the weirdness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, in terms of, like, a year-in review, from just that standpoint, I'd say it's an absolute win. You know, shows like yeah. Mandalorian, The Boys, Queen's Gambit was absolutely fucking fantastic. Um and then you know, still got your blockbusters like *Tenant*, and 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 so on and so forth. But in terms of like movie consumption, I went really far. I I went back with what I love, like with Quentin Tarantino stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I I ran through um, Legendaries *MonsterVerse*, so I watched 2014 *Godzilla*, *Kong Skull Island*, um, the 2019 *Godzilla King of All Monsters* just to get myself amped up, ramped up for for 2021 Godzilla vs. Kong. I even actually went back and watched Peter Jackson's 2005 King Kong. Fantastic fucking movie, man. Um I I've been hearing like I've been
1: or not hearing. I've been seeing more like just uh, I guess praise more appreciation for that movie the 2005 Kong when I swear people were like this movie sucks. It's like very stupid and looks bad CGI, but like now people are like loving it. Like I always I was always just scared from that movie like, from as a kid, so I liked it. I was like this did what a King Kong movie, I think, should do. But uh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's like, what do you what do you like about that King Kong movie compared to the recent King Kong? Because I really didn't like that the new
0: King Kong. Oh, so I liked it, I like. it for what it, I liked it for what it was, which is you know just King Kong, big King Kong. Um, this one is like super, super, um, like modernized version of the original story, hundred percent. Um, characters are cool. Yeah, King yeah, Kong yeah. himself is cool and tragic in, in a way. Yep. Um. Yep. You kinda go through the full range of motions where, you know, initial perceptions, surroundings of, of of his name is like horror based, but then like you see like he's just he's just a man. He's trying to live his life, man. She's trying to live his life. And um Andy Circus, I don't know if you know this, Andy Circus is the one who did the mocap, so same guy that did Caesar, um and and Gollum and Snoke. So i not talk about that um well,
1: let's not talk about that um I can't, that's like take that off your resume at this yes point. please um <laughs> you know the,
0: the like the per, like the personality kong displays in that movie is in fucking credible and andy circus again like just like i thought he'd like he should have won some type of award for playing that gorilla because it's yeah incredible. caesar a eh?
1: like yeah. um I, I said this with our last episode i think it was um like they should start giving like I'm not a big awards guy, but like in a sense of if awards get people talking about it and appreciating these kind of things more then we should do it. But three things awards should be given out to for more like one stunt performances like stunt people. Give them an award. Like give them some recognition. Okay. Mm-hmm. Two puppets. A.K.A. Baby Yoda. Just give that guy an award. Mm-hmm. Whatever whatever that is like is that it's that real life. I don't know. I can't tell anymore. It's makes me cry. Okay. So give that guy an award. And third thing is, um, Andy Serkis, whatever he does, just give him a word too, because he's like literally been an innovation in cinema in itself. Like you could, I hope like one day, like a film history text was just specifically points out how much a man like Andy Serkis has like influenced motion capture and like brought that forward. Like people don't know he runs his own mocap studio and like, Push the technology more to where it is today, I guess. Just being a a, um, a famous actor who, who who does motion capture and does it really well, I guess, too. But he's been one of those guys to push the technology. So uh, he, he deserves the credit for that. And um, the Caesar thing is, like, it's a unreal. Un- I'm looking at pictures of it. It's like you can't even tell it's a, a CGI uh, a gorilla. And now I'm like, what is this guy going to bring to Alfred in the Batman like, that's going to be crazy in itself.
0: Excited to see that, too. So, yeah. And um, he's
1: directing, and he's directing... Sorry, I know we're going on a tangent here, but he's also directing uh, the next Venom movie. And I oh, have no idea what to expect from that. That's interesting. Be
0: fun. All I know is I hope it's rated R. Um, it is. It will be rated R. Sweet. That's the right sweet. way to do it. Um, so, yeah. But in terms of, like, movie consumption, I did a whole bunch today, uh, or this year. More so than I've ever really done before part and thanks to this mm-hmm. podcast um, so yeah good clash of a,
1: yeah, good clash of us like initiating this podcast with the pandemic that basically gave everybody more motivation to consume entertainment and media and stuff like that yeah it was a perfect storm
0: um, yeah for sure yeah so in terms of like a year in review I'd say my year was a success when it comes to mythic morons and like general media consumption so good on us
1: yeah it's been a good, it's been a good year for media consumption. Like what a weird way to put that. I guess it's been a good year for storytelling. Let's say it like that. Like I think in storytelling is like flourishing. It feels like, like, you know, I'm, I'm sensing we're in a, in a phase where like great change is happening. Like great change is going to be happening in terms of how we consume movies and like, or, or stories in general, like what kind of stories are being shown? Like, and in everything we've talked about, it just gives me more of that sense. And like, uh, just that there's there's like hmm there's what now? I'm trying to I'm trying to think about how to phrase it that there's just like an overall new kind of storytelling going on, you know that I don't know if it's new because I'm like I feel like my experience is also limited. But there's a, a I, don't, I don't know if I want to say it this just might be a personal feeling that I have but or it's like a personal thought that might not resonate but like I just feel like it's a, a there's a new uh, gaining of knowledge from these kind of stories you know what I'm trying to say like the way there are so many mediums now but how it's consistent I don't know, I don't know if that makes sense yeah i guess that's a that's that's it like every every aspect of storytelling is flourishing to it to its kind of potential you know and and there's it's not it's not cheap it it doesn't feel cheap in any sense in, oh i get most what you're of the sense yeah every, I, I every think you, sort you of it
0: best. <laughs> there's there's different facets of our media consumption whether it's from streaming whether it's from theater experiences whether it's from video games all of which tell stories um in their own way and all of which this year seem to have succeeded in doing so
1: yeah exactly like it simple as that like really i at least if what a story is supposed to do like in the job that a story has like i feel like i've far exceeding like from last year for example like or any other year from video games or tv shows or movies like i've just gained more insight personal insight worldly insight whatever and like like we started this podcast because of movies and shows and video games that we wanted to talk about this year. So it, it, in a way, it just like, if some kind of an evolution is what I'm trying to say, like there's some sort of an evolution, whether it's personal or whether it's worldly, like that's, that's what I get from it. So yeah, I don't know what that means. So that's just, that's just what it is. Is What, what it does is. that mean for the future? We don't know. Uh, well, we do know there's going to be more Star Wars movies. So that's what we do know for certain. Exactly. So, yeah, I don't know. Good wrap-up, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, I'm hopeful. I guess, like, just ending on the note of hopeful for, like, next year's stuff. Like, just, I guess, you know, please don't take away the movie theater experience. Like, I just want to go back to the movies, man. Like, I really just want to, like, watch a new movie in theater and get amped for that. Like, really get looking forward to those kind of, those nights cuz that's you not know, like you don't you don't get that kind of amp when for streaming like when man came out like come on I wasn't amped
0: no but no it wasn't at yeah. all but yep yeah. Yeah. so fingers crossed fingers crossed um Excuse me, if sorry. that's what we're calling it then uh thanks for listening everyone um please make sure to follow us on Instagram uh, follow us on YouTube at mythic morons and please give us a rating if you would um on whatever you listen to your podcast on whether it's Spotify Google Play or Apple Podcasts Um, really does help a lot and yeah we appreciate you and uh, thanks for listening to the last episode of the year we'll get back to you in 2021
1: yes we will and yeah thank you for listening in 2020 see you next year good one